Well, the marching band means one thing. College football talk comes your way for the next hour. I'm Jay Binkley with Julio Sanchez producing the operation. This is Rush to Field. Well, we finally made it to the national title game, which is really setting up for a beautiful weekend for all football fans. Three NFL playoff games Saturday. Three NFL playoff games Sunday. Oh, you want some dessert? How about Alabama and Ohio State for the national title game on Monday? Now, there was COVID concerns with Ohio State through this week, but they said they're going to play this game. We'll discuss that game in its entirety during this hour. Nick Bromberg of Yahoo Sports, this college football and NASCAR for Yahoo, will join us around 8.15, 8.30. The coach, Gary Pinkle, has a long history with Nick Saban. College teammates. Nick Saban even wrote the foreword to Gary Pinkle's book, The 100-Yard Journey. And then to round it out, we'll talk to Paul Keels. He's the longtime voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes who face off against the Alabama Crimson Tide on Monday night. Last year, Julio, it was us talking to Clemson play-by-play. It was us talking to LSU play-by-play. But there's two new cats in the title game this year, and man, is Alabama ready to roll. But first, the Heisman Trophy. Before we get into the game, the Heisman Trophy was given out virtually this year, which is really weird because they had all the former winners, not all of them, but some of them, because usually they're there. They're up on the stage and they introduce them, right? And there was old Chiefs legend Mike Garrett. Mike Garrett's always there, but they had him virtually. It was just kind of a bizarre feel, and it was at the school rather than in New York. So, you know, a lot of the... uh, You know, the charades, the parade, the circus atmosphere that goes along with the Heisman Trophy, because Alabama had two guys in it, Mac Jones and Devontae Smith. Didn't have to do that because they were able to do it virtually back at their school. Well, it came down to the Final Four. It was Mac Jones, who's a redshirt junior quarterback at Alabama. 4,036 yards passing this year. 36 touchdowns and just four interceptions. Second in the nation in passing yards and TD passes. Devontae Smith. The wide receiver from Alabama, senior, led the nation not only with 1,641 yards receiving, 15.6 per, 20 touchdowns, which led the nations. So his 105 catches led the nations, his yardage led the nation, and his touchdown led the nations. Oh, and by the way, had a punt return touchdown for 84 yards. You know what that spells? That spells the first Heisman Trophy winner. It's a wide receiver since 1991. It's been a minute, but Devontae Smith, Picks up the award. Trevor Lawrence also invited as a finalist to Final Four. 34-2 as a starter. All this kid did was win. His freshman year won a national title over Alabama in the title game. His sophomore year lost to LSU, one of the greatest college football teams we've ever seen with 16 draft picks. LSU, we all know that team last year. Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Joe Burrow. Stud team, that was his only loss. His second loss, which makes him 34-2 as a starter at Clemson, happened in the semifinal game against Ohio State. Kyle Trask was the other one really surprised for Florida. He was the starting quarterback there. But, man, did he have a good year. 4,283 yards led the nation. 43 touchdowns led the nation. Three touchdowns rushing. So Devontae Smith wins it. Here's the funny thing about it, Julio, is Jalen Waddell is a stud receiver for Alabama. He's actually, in some people's minds, including myself, a better wide receiver than even Devontae Smith. But he got hurt. He got hurt early in the season. Jalen Waddell is an absolute stud. Keep in mind, 
This is a wide receiver room at Alabama that had Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, because Devontae Smith chose to go back to college instead of the NFL. Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. We're talking first round, first round with that group, and you'll see Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle go in the first round. Here's what Waddle was doing before the injury. 161 yards receiving, 120, 142, and 134. Pretty good numbers. Now, if he played all year, was Devontae Smith going to put up those numbers? Probably not. Probably not. But anyway, that's the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith. The order of the voting with Devontae Smith. Number two, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback at Clemson. He had 1,187 points. Devontae Smith at a landside, 1,856 points. Mac Jones, the quarterback from Alabama, 1,130 votes. And finishing fourth was Kyle Trask. Finishing fifth, Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama, who was unbelievable. I don't know if you caught the uh, semifinal game against Notre Dame. He leaped. We, we see a lot of running backs hurdle the opponents, right? He goes right over Nick McLeod at Notre Dame, hurdles him, and then goes 53 yards down the field. Unbelievable stuff from Najee Harris. Brees Hall of Iowa State finishes sixth. Justin Fields, the quarterback at Ohio State, finishes seventh. Zach Wilson at BYU, eighth. Ian Book, the quarterback at Notre Dame, ninth. And Kyle Pitts, the tight end from the University of Florida, ends up finishing 10th. Devontae Smith, pretty excited about being in this situation, considers it a blessing. First off, I would um, like to thank God. Without him, none of this would be possible. Congratulate all the finalists just to be in this situation with you guys. Y'all are great athletes. And just to be a part of something like this is truly a blessing. Not only that, but that wide receiver room is ridiculous. It's just a family. Just when you, when you got here, everybody was on the same mission to become the best player that they can be. And everybody helped each other in a different way. And just being around those guys, they've taught me so much just from things on the field to off the field. And they just guided me to where I am today. And I'm so thankful for them. So there's the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. Very soft-spoken, very nice dude. I mean, this guy is a quality dude, and it's going to be interesting to see. Fifth, sixth pick in the NFL draft this year, Jalen Waddle. Be interesting to see where he goes. Jalen Waddle's got that Henry Ruggs type speed. But by the way, the play I'm talking about as we move into the semifinal game before we get to what our final game is, the run of the year was Najee Harris when he did this. Hand off to Harris around the right side across the 35. Leaves the defender at the 45. Running down the near sideline. 30, 25, 20. And run out of bounds inside the Fighting Irish 20-yard line. He jumped over Nick McLeod, kept his feet, and went on a sprint down the near sideline for 53 yards. That was an unbelievable performance by Alabama. It simply rolled over Notre Dame. 31-14 was the final score in that game. Mac Jones, a nice cool 25 of 30 for 297 and four touchdowns. This offense of Alabama is no joke. Najee Harris, 125 yards rushing. Devontae Smith, 130 yards receiving. Alabama's offense is simply ridiculous at this point. What they're doing is not what you see normally done in college football. It's amazing what they're doing. First of all, they're the only FBS team that's got a um, that's got a wide receiver with 20 touchdown catches and a running back with 20 rushing touchdowns in Najee Harris. Again, one, three, and five, they finish with players in the Heisman Trophy. Not only that, but advanced metrics actually say this offense is a little bit better than LSU's last year. And we know how good that was with Joe Burrow throwing for over 60 touchdowns. This Alabama team is an absolute and total juggernaut 
when it comes to the sport of football. And not only that, giving up just 19 points a game. But we'll see what happens. And Jalen Waddle, by the way, might come back. Might come back. But the second highest scoring offense in college football is Notre Dame, 48.2 points a game. But they play 12 games. Kent State, actually number one in the nation, 49.8 points a game. But they just played four games. Ohio State, this could be a high-scoring game. Ohio State, 43.4 points a game. Alabama, 13th best scoring defense. Ohio State, 31st best scoring defense. So the advantage there would go to the University of Alabama. Not only that, QBR rating, Mac Jones has a chance to set the FBS record since they kept record um, of that stat. Even better than the LSU offense. But Justin Fields, the other quarterback that absolutely put one on Clemson that you don't see very often. Great game. 22 of 28, had that rib injury. Said he's still a, a go for this game, which I hope he is. 385 yards passing. A Sugar Bowl record six touchdown passes, meaning he connected on as many touchdown passes as he had incompletions. Pretty good stuff from Justin Fields, who finished seventh in the Heisman as Ohio State rolled over Clemson 49 to 28. And that's not something you see done to Clemson very often. Remember, it was Ohio State that only played six games this year. Had to get a waiver to play into the Big Ten title game because of COVID issues. Forced them back. But when you look at the college football playoffs, Clemson's been in the playoffs six different times. Alabama, six different times. Alabama's record in the playoffs, seven and three. Clemson, six and four. Ohio State now moves to three and two in college football playoffs four appearances they've won one national title Alabama has won two if Ohio State were to upset Alabama they'd have two national titles just like Clemson and Alabama keep in mind they've only played this thing six years this will be the seventh year and you'll have three teams with six titles you know what that means Julio expand the playoffs and we'll talk to Gary Pinkle about that as well but coming up next we'll look more detailed into this game Alabama versus Ohio State with the one, the only Nick Bromberg from Yahoo Sports next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Rush to Field with Jay Binkley, Julio Sanchez producing the operation. And joining us now from Yahoo Sports, the one, the only, Nick Bromberg. Whether you're looking for NASCAR or college football, give Nick Bromberg a follow at Nick Bromberg or Yahoo Sports CFB. Good evening, Nick. What's going on? How are you, Nick? Gave you a little Alabama fight song to lead you in because uh, – well, because they're in the title game and because I have the Ohio State play-by-play guy coming on later, so I'll use Ohio State for him. You know what I'm saying? Well, that works too. It's pretty given the way that Alabama's offense cleaned up just now at the College Football Awards show. Oh, my goodness. I mean, did they ever. I mean, Devontae Smith is racking up rewards or, excuse me, awards right and left and the College Football Awards show on tonight. But Devontae Smith, Walter Camp National Player of the Year. Uh, they also – Get it uh, the the uh, the center of the year, the Remington Award winner, uh, the Outland. They they won a lot of stuff, and Mac Jones, Dave, Davey O'Brien, uh, National Quarterback of the Year. But I'm going to tell you this, Nick: a certain guy named Jalen Waddle 
might have changed Devontae Smith's award hall had he played all year. You know, it's a fascinating discussion because I think a lot of people thought that, you know, Jalen Waddle and, and Devontae Smith, their production was reliant on each other. And, and I think you could have made an equally compelling case for them at, at some point early this season. Um, but they both, they both had fantastic games with had huge games, especially, you know, you look at that Georgia game, Jalen Waddle had that 90-yard TD, Devontae Smith had the, the touchdown that capped that blowout in the second half. And you say, okay, these guys, you know, how do you separate them? They're the best receiving combination in the league. Well, Waddle goes down with the ankle injury against Tennessee. Devontae Smith kind of seven for 73 in that game. But ever since then, Devontae Smith just went absolutely off and was uncoverable. And, and it totally blew that argument that they were dependent on each other out of the water. And I thought kind of that Trevor Lawrence might have been the guy to sneak in on the Heisman consideration just simply because of Mac Jones being there as well. But, you know, I was convinced more and more, especially with that Florida game, that if I had a Heisman vote, my coworker does, I do not, I would have gone with Devontae Smith. And, it, you know, it breaks because it was one of those that simply came down to this. If this wasn't going to be the year that a wide receiver won the Heisman Trophy with a year like Devontae Smith had, when was a wide receiver going to win the Heisman Trophy? No, he deserved it. I would have voted the same way, Nick, to be honest with you. He led interceptions. 105 in a college football season is ridiculous. 19 and, more than anybody else. Yeah, and you're playing the SEC every game. You lead in receiving yards, and you have 20 touchdowns. Oh, by the way, Alabama, the only team in the FBS history to have a 20-touchdown reception guy and a 20-touchdown rushing guy in Najee Harris that finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy and had one of the sickest jumps over Nick McLeod. Uh, sickest hurdles I've seen in a long time, Nick, as they racked up and rolled over Notre Dame. Oh, absolutely unbelievable. I think I gasped when I saw that watching it live last Friday. It was absolutely unbelievable. It's a spit-your-bear-out moment, Nick. Is it, is it not? When you see it, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, you're just like, I wish I had half of that athleticism. You know, yeah, I just well, I would like to jump half that high. It's just he's he's a freak, and he's going to be the one of those guys that I think, you know, we're talking about pro prospects. He's going to be a, one of those early first or early early second, late first round running back, kind of like a J.K. Dobbins type, going to come into the pros, have a nice career. I mean, I think he's going to be a productive Alabama running back in the mold of Derrick Henry, and not to say the mold of um, Trent Richardson. So Najee's going to be a fantastic pro. But I mean, this is an Alabama offense that. We said at the top, five of their 11 starters on offense won season-ending awards tonight. That's just, it's preposterous. Yeah, it's and on the AP All-American list. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And so, you know, you've got a guy in Mac Jones who is the third, probably the third best player on that offense. And, you know, he goes out and wins best quarterback this year. And he completed 77% of his passes. It's just, this is the best we talked about just how good LSU's offense was last year, and I think it was fair to call it the best offense in college football history. This offense here with the production from those three guys, I think I would still take LSU's offense because it had some depth that I don't – had. this Alabama offense has depth. There's five stars everywhere. But just a little bit better depth and production. But this Alabama offense this year is getting a run for its money. Analytically, it is a better offense. It is, uh, yes. Better than, than what LSU was. Not only that – Matt Jones can set the QBR record uh, in this game. And to be honest with you, Nick, when you, when you look at Kyle Trask and Matt Jones, you know, these weren't household names. These weren't the guys that were 
you know, recruited to come in and be stars, especially Mac Jones. You know, he had the wait his time. He had the red shirt. Um, he wasn't, you know, real high profile when he went to Alabama. It's an amazing story to see where he finished up. It, it really is. And, you know, I think also, too, when we're talking about it from just even a more national perspective, especially when it comes to production in the draft, you got to look at Zach Wilson. You know, Zach Wilson was a three-star guy, yep. and he's, I mean, he's morphed into the guy who now could be taken as the number two, even number two overall pick in the draft as they get closer to the spring. So, but, no, especially you think about Kyle Trask, the guy, patient, where he took over the starting job last year at Florida after Felipe Franks gets injured. Kyle Trask was the backup to Derek King in high school. Derek King was the starting quarterback in high school. Kyle Trask rode the bench, then works his way up, becomes Florida's starting quarterback, and I think he'll probably end up being a mid-round guy in the NFL. So, and then he has a fantastic season where where does Florida fit into the playoff picture and where does Kyle Trask fit into the Heisman picture if that loss to LSU doesn't happen? You know, it's mm-hmm. one of, I think that's one of the biggest what-if games of the college football season, quite frankly, is based on where Florida was at the end of the year and where Kyle Pitts was or Kyle Trask was in the Heisman race, what does happen if Florida beats LSU? It's a good question, Nick. And by the way, Mac Jones, you know, as you mentioned, three-star guy at Alabama, he was in that same recruiting class as Tua. You know, he's kind of an afterthought yep. with that 17 recruiting class at Alabama. But they rolled over Notre Dame, and they find themselves in their third championship game. And it's amazing. It was just say Ohio State upsets them. They would have two titles. Alabama would have two titles. Clemson would have two. And we've had seven playoffs, Nick. It's <laughs> six championships. With three teams. That's what we're looking at. But the Ohio State Buckeyes really turned some heads, I think. And, you know, we thought this was going to be a really nice team coming in. And, man, Trey Sermon has made a lot. Chris Olave is really turning some heads at wide receiver. Didn't play in the Big Ten title game. Flashed in that Clemson game. But Clemson is a team that gets to the postseason and they don't lose until they get to the finals or if they win the finals. Again, Trevor Lawrence was 34-1 and as a starter. In, in Ohio State and Justin Fields, even with that injury, absolutely thumped Clemson. That, to me, was a surprise. That, not that they beat him, but beat him that bad. Yeah, you know, I, I fully agree. I think you know, Clemson, Clemson has that one loss in Phoenix. I think all three of their other playoff losses have come in uh, New Orleans. Um, so that is not the place that they like to play uh, college football playoff games. But, you know, this is a... What we saw from Ohio State was the most complete game they played all year. And I realize they had the small sample size of everybody because that was only game seven. But, but this was the game where, you know, Justin Fields, you saw just how strong of a competitor he is. And, and I, that feels cliche to say, but it was something about that game where you knew he wasn't going to lose it and he took what happened last year in the Fiesta Bowl really personally. And, and having a lot of back because of the Big Ten COVID protocols was huge. He's one of the best receivers in the Big Ten, probably one of the better receivers across the entire country. He, he makes their offense much more dynamic. They found the tight end for the first time, what felt like all season. And then the impact of Trey Sermon cannot be understated. Huge. Because Trey Sermon, what Trey Sermon has done for Ohio State over the last, with Master Teague especially being out, has vaulted that offense and, and given it, they don't win the Northwestern game without Trey Sermon in the second half. And I think you also have to look at Trey Sermon on the flip side of this. Is if Trey Sermon is still at Oklahoma, that may be a playoff team. We may be talking about the same, you know, another team that always gets in the playoff, getting in the playoff this year, because that was an Oklahoma team. After it got Ramondre Stevenson back, that offense was so much better. And Ronnie Perkins being back, too. You look at this, and Oklahoma doesn't start one and they start one and two, they run it the rest of the way. 
if Oklahoma has a strong rushing attack at the beginning of the season, maybe they don't lose that K-State game. Maybe they don't lose the Iowa State game. If they only have one loss, they are probably the number four team in the country heading into the college football playoff. Yeah, the, the, the uh, old Oklahoma thing. Look great down the stretch. No question yep. about it. But, Nick, when you look at Alabama and Ohio State, and there's the, – the one thing we haven't seen a lot of, and we got to see it in the semifinals, obviously, but we didn't see a lot of those cross-conference matchups. Again, Ohio State was supposed to play Oregon this year. You know, we we did we haven't seen it. You know, a litmus test. They played the Big Ten, and Alabama's been playing the SEC, albeit Alabama schedule much better. But Ohio State put one down on Clemson, and we know how good Clemson is, and Alabama thumps Notre Dame. How do you see this game going? Both these offenses, top five in the country in scoring offenses. Alabama should be the top scoring offense, but Kent State in four games actually scored more than they did. But that's, again, four games. Alabama played three times that much. But defensively, Alabama's better than Ohio State. And what do you see? But both these teams have had lapses. Alabama's defense had a lapse against Ole Miss. Ohio State's defense had a lapse against Indiana. How, what are you expecting to see Monday night? You know, I think we have to look at what Florida and Ole Miss have put up against Alabama. They've been the two offenses that have been able to score on this team all year because they have – I think Matt Corral is the chaos quarterback. He's been phenomenal some games, and he has been awful at others. But, you know, when Matt Corral is good, he's good. He was good against Alabama. Good quarterback play. Ole Miss has Elijah Moore. Florida has Kyle Pitts. Guys on the outside that can make plays. This is an offense that's set up to score on Alabama's defense. And Alabama's defense is, is fantastic. They're not the Alabama defenses that we've seen five and ten years ago. This is a very good defense. And so I think Ohio State keeps this one competitive. I don't necessarily know if it, stay, if it ends up within like eight. I think the, mark, the, the spread right now is eight points. But I could totally see it being something like 41-31, 41-33 in that neighborhood because Alabama's going to put up some points. This is, you know, this is Sark's last game, you know, he, he wants to go out with a bang here before he heads off to Texas. So I think you're going to see each team's best shot offensively, and I think there's going to be a lot of points in this one. Nick Bromberg, at Nick Bromberg, Yahoo Sports, one of the finest college football minds and NASCAR minds in the country. I always enjoy talking college football uh, with Nick. Nick, get the, I, know, I know you're a man of many TVs, as a man of many talents as well. I'm sure those TVs will all be fixated on some serious football this weekend. Oh, we, uh, you know, I've planned out my weekend. It's like, the, you know, the first first weekend since August without college football, so might as well watch six NFL playoff games, right? Yeah, that, and then you have the dessert with the college football national title game. This is honestly the trifecta of fun. I'm a big divisional round guy in the NFL, but uh, give me the super wild card weekend, whatever we're calling it in the NFL, and let's have some fun. Exactly. My only wish is that uh, the winning coach in the Nickelodeon game gets slimed at the end. I'm, I'm with you. you got to use slime. If you have Nickelodeon game, you got to slime them. All right, Nick, yeah. take care, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. There you go, Nick Bromberg, Yahoo Sports right there. Coming up next, well, he played with Nick Saban in college. Nick Saban wrote the forward to his book, The 100-Yard Journey. Coach Gary Pinkle talks national title and what it was like well, being at the Heisman Trophy ceremony that we had this past week with Chase Daniel. We'll talk to uh, Gary Pinkle next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. It's a pleasure to talk to uh, Coach Gary Pinkle, all-time wins letter at Missouri and Toledo. Of course, GaryPinkle.com. 
where he has uh, the foundation and a lot of good things he does, including his book, The 100-Yard Journey. Coach, good evening. Good evening. How are we doing? Hey, we're doing all right, Coach. Uh, not uh, been on the last couple of weeks with the holidays, with New Year's and Christmas Eve, but uh, I, I guess it came down to Missouri not playing in that bowl game with Iowa. I was looking forward to that, but uh, I think that's just kind of a microcosm of what 2020 was, a real challenge for teams. Yeah, and you know, I, I also look at, you know, just really, we've talked about this before, but, you know, I, it was so great that they accepted this challenge, and for all the coaches and players and administration and, and athletic directors and, and presidents uh, and commissioners, um, you know, the SEC was one of the ones front and forward, and, and you know, everybody jumped on board later, and obviously the NFL did it, and, you know, they kind of battled through it, but they didn't give up and tried to make it work, and, it was crazy all around, but that was just that's just the title of what's what's happened uh, in in, in uh, 2020. And so, you know, the the good news is we're gonna get out of this thing, and uh, we're finishing now with a great national championship game and some bowls. Uh, but um, what a remarkable challenge! But they could have just shut the door. It's easy to do that and say let's not do anything. But they did what they thought was best for the players, and uh, and I and certainly the fans fit in there too. Well, I'll give them credit for it. You know, they, they I think the SEC did things the right way. I think the Big 12 did things the right way. Uh, certainly other teams jumped in kind of late into the mix. But I will say this. You had the playoffs, and we have the national title game that looks like it's going to go off, even though there were some COVID concerns at Ohio State. But it looks like we're going to have our game Monday night, Coach. Yeah, and that should be a great, great game. Ohio State looks so, really, so well. You know, Nick Saban, you know, I'm, I'm glad he got Coach of the Year because he's – Probably coach of the year a lot of times. You know, he's at a place where you're at a capable to win, but nobody nobody wins with the consistency that he wins. And so I'm glad he got that. And uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great great football game. No question about it, coach. And you look at uh, just this season, this playoffs. You know, Ohio State. You know, there was talk: should they be invited to the to the Final Four or not? Did they play enough games? Only playing six games, and they had to get a kind of a waiver to play in the Big Ten title game, and we know how talented that football team is. So they gave them a shot, then they beat Clemson in a playoff game. And I'll give Ohio State a lot of credit because Clemson, when you get to this time of year, Dabo Sweeney, he has that team ready to roll, and Trevor Lawrence has only lost one game in his career, and that was to LSU in the title game. And for them to kind of put it on Clemson kind of surprised me there in the other bracket. I was very... uh with Ohio State, and I'm not. I grew up in Ohio, and I was at Kent State University. And I didn't like all publicity Ohio State got all the time, so I've never been a big Ohio State fan. But I'm telling you one thing: they look great. And as you you mentioned, you know Clemson is. You know you're talking about. You know you know if there's any team that parallels the consistency or the beginning of that consistency as Alabama, uh, what what a remarkable job they did. And this is going to be this is going to be one heck of a football game. I think the team that plays the best defense. At the end of the day, he's going to win, and, and it's hard to play best defense against any one of these offenses. You know what? You look at Alabama, Coach, and how good this team was. They finished second in the nation in scoring. Believe it or not, you know who was ahead of them? Kent State. Imagine that. Kent State was ahead of Alabama in points per game. They only played four games, though, but the, I figured you'd like that one. That's awesome. <laughs> but Kent State was right there. But you look at this Alabama team, Devontae Smith, the wide receiver, wins the Heisman Trophy. Mac Jones, the quarterback, finishes third. The running back, Najee Harris, finishes fifth. 
And it's the first time ever that a FBS team has had a 20-touchdown receiver, 20-touchdown running back. It's historical what Alabama's team is doing offensively. And and you think about it, Devontae Smith might not even be their best wide receiver. Jalen Waddell, who got hurt earlier this season. It's amazing the amount of talent that Nick Saban keeps. But not only that, Coach, the consistency. He's lo- losing Steve Sarkeesian uh, to Texas. He'll be coached in the title game, but it doesn't matter. Like it's like, it's like Andy Reid. He's offensive coordinators. You know, they come and they go, but the machine keeps rolling. And, you know, the thing about Nick is Nick's a defensive guy. Yeah. You know, he played, when we played college football. He's always been on the D. He's a defensive coordinator at Michigan State and other places. And, you know, he's he's been he's, – he's just – he's operationally knows how to run a football program. He'll give you a lot of Don James, uh, Kent State head coach we played for, and I worked with at Washington is in, is in the Hall of Fame. He'll give him a lot of credit for it. He learned from a lot of different people. But um, it's hard to argue with, with his tremendous, tremendous success he's had. And um, it's really it's, it's really going to be a it's going to be a great game. Now, I think both offenses are really, really, really outstanding. Maybe the two best in the in the nation. That's why I think the defense that can pull through and get some turnovers and make some plays and get some sacks. I think that's going to be a big, big factor. What kind of makes uh, Nick Saban? You know him well, Coach. You wrote the forward to your book, The Hundred Yard Journey. What makes kind of him tick? Because I watched that episode with him and Bill Belichick. Um, they did this documentary. I don't know if you got to see this one yet. Did you see that Belichick and Saban thing? Yeah, I saw some of it, yeah. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Like, Belichick went to Saban's office, and they just talked football, and they even told the cameras to leave for a minute, and they, and they sat in there and they talked football during it. it. It's amazing. Is he one of those guys, Coach? Because it looks like he's also a good family man as well, but his, his attention to detail and how meticulous he is, it, it's amazing. Is there any doubt? You, you know the guy just how successful he's been because of all the kind of meticulous work he does? Yeah, he's, I mean, I keep going back to Don James because that's, that, that was his mentor like mine. Uh, the attention to detail of running an organization uh, has nothing to do with calling plays. has nothing to do with teaching a player how to you know, run with a ball or block. It's operationally dealing with people. And then you, know, you have you know, 85 people on your team working together as one. They're united together as one. Um, they they all are remarkably committed as one, uh, and it sounds really easy. Well, anybody can do that, but no, hardly anybody can do it. That's that's the difference. And that's that's why Nick's done you know such an incredible job, um, and 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 is getting you know he, he loses a lot of coaches because they become head coaches or coordinators in, in the NFL, but he but he uh, he can't get enough recognition for the for the job he's done. And uh, you know the truth of the matter is he really passionately cares about kids. He's a very sincere guy, coach. He's real intense. You see him on the sideline. A little bit of Hollywood there. I'm going to throw that in there, a little funny in there for Nick. <laughs> if I hear about this and get after me. Um, but he's a real, real intense uh, competitor, but he's very sincere and honest with his players about everything, always. And they always know where they stand, and, 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 he, and he treats people um, the same, consistent. You know what you got, but you really, you really, really trust him. And uh, his graduation rate's real, real high too. So it's it's been pretty crazy. We're talking about the Heisman Trophy, you know, and and, uh, and uh, the receiver getting that. And um, I was I was a Heisman. Uh, you know how many coaches are going to New York City and sit, sit in that little room? And they do the, they've done it for yep. a thousand years, maybe not this year, but all the other years. Um, and they have the Heisman finals, and there are five people. 
well, um, you know, we we were a part of that, and it was a great, great time. And and uh, you know how how you know not many Don James never was sitting in that room. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we you know we we just it was really really awesome, and uh, um, I appreciate uh, you know being being able to be a part of something like that. Um, you know, and it was really good. It's a great award, and, you know, one of the guys that goes back to a lot of those is Mike Garrett. that uh, used to play for the Chiefs. He was the 65 toss power trap, the famous play there by Hank Stram to call it in. He ran it. But I, I, I do this football and barbecue podcast, and I got to sit down and talk to him, and that's one of his greatest things. This guy was uh, you know, the first guy to run for 1,000 yards with two different teams in the NFL. He, he won the Heisman trophies. big reason O.J. went to – USC because of that, but he kept talking about that Heisman because he goes back every year to it, you know, and he just talks about how wonderful it is to meet those, you know, those athletes and see those greats. That had to have been something there, Coach, just, you know, being able to see all the greats of the game. Yeah, and then, you know, Chase Daniel was, you know, was, was mm-hmm. obviously the the guy that uh, was nominated, and uh, boy, it just, uh, it's just very historic. It's hard to explain to anybody. There, and, and your name if you're if you're in that building of small theater area, your name is on your seat. That's where you're going to sit. There's no, there's no, you know, you find a seat, sit there. It's not like that. And it's the format is it's, they're very respectful of the format of how that the the Heisman um, finalist is is um, introduced. And uh, anyway, so I, I, that was a blessing for me, and, and to be a part of something like that, that great, uh, and it's certainly a, a, a remarkable honor. Uh, for even to be nominated, but certainly to be fortunate enough to win it. Yeah, I can't imagine how much fun that was was in New York, and that was uh, that was uh, see that was was that two thousand seven that you were there with uh, Chase? Yeah, two thousand seven, right? That's the year Tebow yeah, December won. December two thousand seven, uh, we lost the championship game, mm-hmm. and then we played played we played in the Cotton Bowl. When the Cotton Bowl ended up fourth in the nation. So uh, it was a great year. It was a great year for Missouri football because, you know, that was the point. We and we, that was the first of five divisional championships we were part of, you know, in the next seven or eight years. And you know, we we got it rolling pretty good here. You know, great staff, great players, and and uh, great fans. And so it's uh, it was you know some great great memories. That was the year Tebow won it, wasn't it? The year that the, the yeah, Tim, yeah, Tim won. Yeah, okay. yeah. Everything else, coaching is a tough profession. But I don't think it was any tougher than this year in 2020 or last year in 2020. Yeah, there's there's no question about it. It was, and that's why I'm so happy. You know, Greg Sankey, uh, the commissioner of the SEC, uh, deserves a lot of credit because he's the first one up in the Big 12, which you mentioned before, and said we're going to try to get this done, and we're going to have to make adjustments, and we're going to have to do this and do that. And they 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 found a way to make it work. Yep. You know, and, and and guess what? No, there was no serious injury because of the virus for any athlete out there, nowhere in in, in the nation. And so it's 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 uh, it took a lot of guts to do that. I think uh, you know this is this was a thing where you know I, I don't want the hassles, I don't want the problems, so let's just not do it. And these guys or gals in leadership roles stood up and said, "Doggone right, we're going to do it." And then basketball started. You know, you know, is, is going to get going. And they're they're going to get a plan, and they're going to do some of the things that uh, that, that they learned in football and learned in the NFL. The NFL jumped out of it, and uh, so anyway, it just hats off to a lot of people that you know attacked this this you know, this incredible thing that we went through. And um, and you know, I tell you, 
it, it, it I think it really helped a lot of people because you know you, you, football is so remarkably uh, popular that uh, it just got people going again a little bit, you know, just smiling a little bit. And uh, uh, so anyway, hats off to all those, all the players and all the coaches and administrators and all that I mentioned before and leadership for uh, uh, finding a way to get it done. Well, it's unfortunate we talked a lot about the pandemic this year during the season because obviously it was a big story. Hopefully next year it's just talking about the game of football. And, Coach, we've got a good one this weekend, three NFL games Saturday, three NFL games Sunday. we got the national title game Monday. For people who like the sport of football like we do, this is uh, it's our weekend, Coach. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, you know we're, we're fortunate enough to be Chiefs fans. Yeah. So, you know, we got we – got, this is going to be a crazy month here. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I also uh, just quickly think I, I really believe what's going to happen after we've seen the, you know, the, our, our playoff system. Uh, I, I really think college football is going to find a way, uh, Power Five, to to have a national championship and have more of a tournament and try to get you know try to get. I thought that, I thought I think the, the people that are vote vote for this have done a tremendous job, but you know. We, we, I think we we got to say, hey, let's find a way to get ten or twelve players, or excuse me, teams into that into that championship, and just it's like the postseason again. It's like the NFL, you know, they're they're they're, they're in their playoff season. It'll be the same thing for uh, for uh, Power Five football, and and all the all the determination of the winners will be done on the field. So I think that's something that's down the road. It's going to happen, and uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Coach, I can't thank you enough. Again, the website, GaryPinkle.com. He's got his foundation there. You can always uh, contribute to Coach. He does a lot of great work um, uh, for kids in hospitals, and you name it in his book, The 100-Yard Journey, on there as well. Coach, uh, a lot of fun talking to you this year about football, and hopefully next year we'll put this pandemic behind us and uh, we'll just talk about the game. Yeah, that'll be great. Hey, God bless you. Thank you very much. Go Chiefs. Thanks, Coach. There you go, Gary Pinkle, right there on Rush to Field. Coming up next, though, we'll talk to the longtime voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes who face Alabama Monday night in the title game, Paul Keels. Coming your way next. Welcome back to Rush to Field. the voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes since 1998. His name, if you hear him on Ohio radio, he's been doing this for a long time, Paul Keels. Paul, good evening. How you doing, Jay? Hey, good, good. I've enjoyed watching the Buckeyes this year. I'm glad, to be honest with you, that we had college football this year, and uh, and I've sat down and enjoyed it. It's been a bizarre season, Paul, and probably uh, the most bizarre season you've ever seen, but we have a title game to talk about. It has been wild, uh, and especially when you consider – in the summer, at one point, the Big Ten was not going to play football, and then it came back, and you know, then waiting for a compressed schedule to be released, and it was the third version of a schedule that was put out. Seeing games canceled, uh, head coach not even being able to attend one of the games. So, uh, you know, and in our end, having to deal with doing remote broadcasts for away games. So, it, it, it's been very different. Yeah, I've seen the challenge with the NFL first uh, up close and personal. All the things that have have changed by that and everybody kind of dealing with these rules. But the bottom line is I'm glad Ohio State got to play in the title game. Before the season, I liked this team a ton. I'm a big fan of what Justin Fields can do, and I'm glad that uh, cooler heads prevailed and they came together and put Ohio State where they belonged in the uh, Big Ten title game. 
Well, you can understand why there were some people who had reservations because of the number of games. And, you know, but I think if you looked, had that been a situation involving Clemson or Alabama, uh, I think everybody would have understood, yeah, those are some of the more talented teams. And even in a reduced number of games, they probably had the potential to, to be a national championship contender. So it's it just very different how it all got here. And, and as you said, Jay, the bottom line is, uh, you know, we went through such a period of time in the spring where we didn't have sports. Unfortunately, we've got them. Well, you've got a great quarterback in Justin Fields, and I've enjoyed watching him play a lot. I do my own Heisman uh, list here in town. I've always had him uh, till the end in the in the top four. That's how I, I value Justin Fields and what he can do. And I tell you what, that game against Clemson, I mean, beating Clemson in the playoffs is no joke. This team is accustomed to doing it. You had a Trevor Lawrence that was 34-1 and uh, against teams um, going into that game. Justin Fields stood out, 385 yards and six touchdowns, and that was a that was a great win for Ohio State because Clemson is no stranger to these playoffs. Well, the performance by Justin Fields was significant, given the fact he was coming off of probably his shakiest performance in his short time playing at Ohio State with how he performed in the Big Ten championship game. But uh, this team, both from individual standpoints and as a group, they wanted an opportunity to put the taste of last year's loss to Clemson behind them. You know, that, that was an incredible game a year ago, back and forth. But missed opportunities in the red zone, uh, you know, being hurt by running plays from Trevor Lawrence and, and receiving plays from Travis ATN kind of caused that game to go the other way. But, you know, Ohio State was anxious to get an opportunity to prove that they belong and to prove that they could contend with a team like this. Yeah, I tell you what, you know, losing Dobbins to the NFL, a big thing. But being Trey Sermon, what an addition that is. There's probably no hotter running back. Uh, down the stretch here than him. Well, it's interesting when you think about the whole process. Trying to replace J.K. Dobbins, you had first off Master Teague, who uh, was coming off of an Achilles injury that he suffered during the spring. Mm -hmm. And Master Teague got off to a good run at the start of the season. Then he got banged up uh, early in the Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern. Trey Sermon, who was coming off of a knee injury his final season at Oklahoma, was a little bit of an unknown that really wasn't able to get a lot of extended opportunities because of how well Master Teague had been running the ball. And for the end of the Michigan State game and then at the Big Ten Championship game, Trey Sermon was given the lion's share of the work and really came through strong. Well, I tell you what, one of the guys that I really like, matter of fact, he looked great in the Chiefs uniform, is Chris Olave. And a lot of people here in this town, uh, you know, thinking about weapons for Patrick Mahomes, and his name comes up quite a bit. I don't think he's going to last long enough uh, for the Chiefs to take him in the first round, but you never know with the way things work. But, man... This guy, two touchdowns against Clemson, and he is just a game-changer the way that he runs routes and catches the football. Well, his presence was noticed when he did not play in the Big Ten Championship game, and it allowed Northwestern to double-team Garrett Wilson. But, yep. you know, Chris, ever since he started getting significant reps a few years ago, uh, uh, there was a receiver by the name of Austin Mack who suffered a season-ending knee injury in the middle of the year when uh, Chris was a freshman, and he came in and really had a big impact right away, not just as a receiver, but he's gotten in his time at Ohio State two career block punts. And you see him on a lot of special teams plays. But the Clemson game really showed the ability to Yeah, the way he was creating separation and in what he was doing in that game. I mean, he, he stood out completely as he's done in his career. And uh, real quick, going to this Alabama team, I mean, you look at the Heisman Trophy, Justin Fields uh, finishing seventh. But Devontae Smith uh, winning it. Uh, all for Alabama and, and Mac Jones finishing third, their quarterback. And to be honest with you, Jalen Waddell, I thought might even be more talented than Devontae Smith 
um, watching him earlier on. But, of course, he got injured this year, and he may or may not play against Ohio State. That's waiting to be seen. But playing this high-scoring uh, Alabama team, and I know that that game against Clemson had to have given Ohio State all the confidence they can beat anybody. Well, they know they're going to have to play at least as well, if not better, than they did against Clemson. They have a chance to contend with Alabama. It's a talented team across the board. Uh, you know, whether they get Waddle back or not, it's still a team with very uh, a strong number of dangerous threats. Uh, and, you know, it's what you would expect in a national championship game. Alabama has been a trendsetter, not only in the Southeast Conference, but in the nation for years. And uh, Nick Saban has really established a dominance there. So for Ohio State, they're going to have to play at least as well as they did, if not better, against Clemson to have a chance in this game. Paul, it's been a pleasure checking in with the Ohio State Buckeyes. I wish you a good call on the game and have fun uh, down in Miami. But uh, it's certainly a title game that I think that uh, this is kind of the one we thought could happen anyway. So everybody... Pleasure to talk to you about it, Jack. Thanks, Paul. Take care. You got it. There you go. Paul Keels, the voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes since 1990. And I'm looking forward to this game. In Alabama, I believe, will be adding the third national championship in the seven years of the college football playoffs. Eight-point favorites. Jalen Waddle looks like he's going to come back and play. That's an unbelievable feat, and that will be an incredible offense. One of the best offenses you will ever see. Big thanks to Gary Pinkle, head coach of Missouri, that joined us this year each and every week. And thanks to Nick Bromberg from Yahoo Sports joining us. And, of course, Paul Keels, the Ohio State uh, Buckeyes broadcaster. And as always... Thank you, Julio Sanchez. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. Hey, investors, this is JD again with Crossroads Investment Lending. Still wanting to get into that fix and flip game? Don't have the money? Maybe you've always wanted to get yourself a rental property. We can help you get in the door. Call the fix and flip guys at Crossroads Investment Lending, 913-766-2900. Or go to kclend.com. That's kcled.com. Get started in the fix and flip game. What are you waiting for? That's Crossroads Investment Lending, 913-766-2900 or kclend.com. Bickamer Electric. We've got the highest quality trained electricians rated best in KC. We do free virtual panel inspections and no contact service for your safety. Bickamer Electric will get you up to code for your voltage load. Bickamer Electric, we're gonna wire it right and hook you up tonight. Bickamer Electric. Stop smoking or vaping now without cravings, irritability, weight gain, or your money back. Only $49.99 guaranteed. Hypnosis designed to work without anxiety, irritability, or weight gain. Seminar now online live with America's hypnotist Mark Patrick in the comfort and safety of your living room. Live online seminar for the greater Kansas City area will be held Thursday, January 21st and Saturday, January 23rd. Register now. Only $49.99 guaranteed at markpatrickseminars.com. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
This is the home of the Therese Paler Show. Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. KCSP Kansas City, WDAFHC2 Liberty, a radio.com sports station. We are Sports. And here's what you need to know. NBA tonight, 76ers not making it a game. They just got beat by Brooklyn, who was without Kyrie Irving, 122 to 109. Just a second loss of the season for Philadelphia. Grizzlies by four over Cleveland, 88 to 84. Mavericks and Nuggets about to get things underway from the Mile High City, along with the Spurs and Lakers from Staples Center. College basketball, the top-ranked team in the nation, looks exactly like it. Gonzaga blitzing BYU, 73-42. This ballgame midway through the second half. Northwestern all over number 12, Illinois, blowing them out, in fact, by 15, 43-28. This ballgame finally reaches the break. Number eight, Wisconsin, triumphant in double overtime against Indiana, 80-73. College football news, Fox Sports Knoxville reporting Tennessee's football program is being investigated by the NCAA for violations regarding illegal benefits to recruits. I'm David Gascon. Are you ready? This is the Jason Smith Show. With Mike Harmon. Whoa. You're listening to the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. He's my best friend, Mike Harmon. Let's get it going. Live from the Fox Sports Radio Studios with Mike Harmon. Here's Jason Smith. Mets, 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 Mets. Here we go. Four hours of this nonsense. No, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. It's not going to be four hours because we got a lot about Deshaun Watson getting to the Jets. So we're going to kind of go back and forth between the Mets, 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 and Deshaun Watson and the Jets, Mets, and How the hell is he going to be any happier there? Because we'll talk about that. Because he won't be playing for Bill O'Brien. No matter what, that's right to promise you. Now it's the the remnants. What I said was not false. Hey, 